The Chicago Bears smash a playoff-bound Lions team 28-13 in a game that was so fun to watch, it was almost staggering. But a good Bears team suddenly bows up, and not only do they put them away in the back half of the game, but they leave for plenty of us to talk about. Nick and I will break everything down on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody? My name is Robert Schmitz, editor-in-chief of DeBear's blog, right here with my co-host, Nick Whalen of Football Guys. And Nick, what a game. I mean, I just got off my flight from Utah, hopped onto the mic as soon as I could to talk to you about this. This game was a game we've seen before. I mean, almost step for step. But this time, the Bears defense and the Bears offense close the door on a Lions team that's starting to look awfully hapless. And when you do that to a 9-4 and four football team, I mean, you should start ringing alarm bells. Because, look, Nick, we could talk about how this Lions team is some kind of paper tiger. We can talk about how this Bears team isn't fully baked in different facets. But let's be real. If this was any other team with any other story, we would say this was a very emphatic win, right? Mm-hmm. So then yeah. it's a very emphatic win. <laughs> it is. I mean, well, I mean, think of how big this is for Eberflus. Back-to-back wins for the first time in his career as head coach. This is a signature win. And you had mentioned this. I mean, what they did to the Lions last time and didn't hold on to win, and they did it to get into the Lions this time, really makes you wonder if this is really who Chicago is. Mm-hmm. And really, that's who the Lions are uh, when you do it two times in a row in a matter of a month. And I mean, it's so funny when you go through this game, right? Because I personally felt like from start to finish, maybe you take out the second quarter if you wanted to. I thought the Bears won matchups nearly across the board. Like, sure, you'd have guys that would lose a matchup now and again. But Amon Ross St. Brown had a rough day out there. The Bears Mm -hmm. made it hard for him. Montez Sweat looked like a maniac. Jared Goff had one of the worst games of his season. I thought Justin Fields was the whole package today. We're going to get into that later because personally, I thought what was so interesting about Fields was you saw all the highs, you saw all the lows. And if I was going to set up an audition tape, like whether it this is another team trading for Justin Fields or whether this is Bears fans selling themselves on Fields, this is it. This is the fields that you are expecting to get. And if you mm-hmm. get better than that, wow, that's even better. But that's what you're expecting. You know what I'm saying? Maybe yeah. we start with fields. Do you want to start with fields? Sure. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, like I would say he probably had like a B, B plus game. I mean, because you talked about, I mean, the highs, the highs would be, I mean, everyone likes the, um, the, the touchdown pass to DJ Moore. My favorite part of that would be one his awareness because he did it and realized oh hey i do have the flag unlike the green bay game what was it his second year that or the rookie year where he should have had the flag and they didn't call it as a pick mm-hmm. so he realized that then he when he threw it it was perfectly in line he mm-hmm. didn't overthrow it no nope. he didn't underthrow it it was right on the money which honestly when you're wide open i would almost underthrow just to make sure he catches it so like that's that's the high um running all over the place, but not running too much, running just enough. I mean, completing passes to all areas of the field. I would say the the, the highest high that I had, Robert, was in a crucial situation. On a third down, he throws the slant over the middle to DJ Moore, which uh, we've been hoping for. And And I want to jump in there. Because there were two passes that we talk about where one of them was that, again, 
Every once in a while, number 85, Cole Komet, will have one of these routes that's just like the best route of his life. You know, and that little out route he had where he comes off the line, releases outside, quick snaps out, and then Justin Fields staples the ball to his right shoulder. Ooh, that was perfect on third Mm -hmm. down. And then the throw to DJ Moore reminded me of the training camp slant that he threw because Fields' slants just never, to me, they never look as comfortable as the guys that throw slants all the time. But it doesn't matter because when you target DJ Moore, he's going to go get that ball for you. and. Even as DJ Moore was playing through what must have been a cortisol shot ankle. And that's not me trying to guess. It's more like you saw him limp every once in a while after plays. I mean, I thought, Nick, there's a whole conversation to be had. I want to stick to Justin for as long as I can maintain it. But this was also a phenomenal day for the entire offensive cast. I mean, everybody except number 11, which maybe that's a separate conversation we could have a little later. But the Bears running game. It popped early. The Bears' offensive line, they held off, for the most part, a blitzing attack outside of a second quarter where, sure, the offensive line got bested. But that's going to happen yeah. over the course of the And Nate, Nate Davis probably especially, right? Oh. I mean, like, he got beat multiple times. And right. It's like, oh, Nate, this is not your best day. Lucas Patrick got beat some, but that's like normally Lucas Patrick. So right. I'm not going to really patronize him. And yeah, sure. There were some moments where Justin Fields held onto the ball too long. You saw some holding mm-hmm. calls. You saw some t- moments where he looked lost in the pocket, et cetera, et cetera. There were some times where I thought Justin Fields took a few too many hits, but I, I just need to say it because I'm the guy on this show that's a little more critical of Fields, and that's all right. Yep. When Justin Fields is at his best, dude looks like a super athlete. Dude yep. does things that stick out to anybody watching them because they are different. Like when mm-hmm. Justin Fields gets outside the pocket in the red zone and just trots casually into the end zone, you're like, jeepers, man. My, he- <laughs> my, my favorite part about that play, Robert, is if, you know, I'm sure people will go back and rewatch that many times. Watch Aiden Hutchinson. So so they twist. He goes from <laughs> outside to inside. And then Hutchinson realizes lo- they, the other guy lost contain. And he's dead sprinting. And you can tell he's like working it. He's and working. Fields just cruises. And like that's when you realize the level of athlete difference that Justin Fields is versus anyone else on the field. Like he oh, yeah. shouldn't be that fast. And he just cruised in easily. Early in the game, he has two tacklers. Not just one. Two tacklers just melt off of him as he juts outside the pocket and races upfield for a casual explosive run of like 15, 18 yards in a way that pretty much only he can do. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't even think Lamar has that gas right now. And just in terms of the burst that Fields is able to produce and the size that you see it. Now, Nick, there is a whole separate conversation to be had, and I mean this very gravely, about sustainability, because Fields took some licks in the first half of this game that if you if you are going to give him a, let's say, $50 million per year, four-year deal, you're going, oh, oh, how do we never take that hit again? But that's honestly for hand-wringing and worrying that let's do later. Because right now, those were the hits that you took in a win where you scored over 25 points, largely because of what the quarterback was able to do. I mean, Nick, I say that and there's going to be somebody out there I know that says, well, it was a team effort. The quarterback has to fuel the offense. Jake Browning can't throw for 350 yards and not get credit for it. Like, it's kind Mm -hmm. of the nature of football, especially (laughs) modern football, that if the quarterback plays badly, you won't score at all, and Josh Dobbs will get benched. And if if the quarterback plays pretty well, you'll score some points one way or another. And right now, I mean, Nick, I can't believe I'm saying it. We are talking about a Bears team that is unironically in a playoff hunt. It's an outside shot. 
But the yep. NFC has played so badly, they've left the back door open. And if the Bears take advantage, they may just creep in. So mm-hmm. let's keep talking about Justin Fields. What did you like? What were some plays that you thought stood out? And did you think he did anything different from what he's done well over the last few weeks? Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, obviously he likes to throw to the outside. Now, whether that's a preference of his or whether that's Getsy, because when you go back to Aaron Rodgers, he likes to throw to the outside. But I saw some good ball placement. Like you talked about that one outside shoulder to Cole Komet. And Cole Komet, as if you guys remember, like caught it, then kind of just pinned it against his chest. And then before he came to the ground, smartly put his other hand there and caught it. And then had the awareness of, hey, let's hurry it up. And they still challenged it and it was still a catch. But that's smart. So that was good ball placement there. The one to DJ, uh, or I'm sorry, Darnell Mooney on the outside where you're like, oh, that was almost, it wasn't almost a pick because you threw it so far outside. You knew mm-hmm. it was either he was catching or nobody, which is good ball placement. Um, the the slant over the middle. Too. It, it was a fastball. The slant over the middle. Um, him, I like that he tried to throw the dig to DJ Moore, that he, he overthrew it, but in the, second to last drive of the game because it was that's where it was open and at least he sees it and he threw it um he also has again we talk about you know everybody Caleb Williams and his creativity Justin Fields has the arm angles the I don't know what you would call them the flicks that he had today to the one to to the you know, 49-year-old Mercedes Lewis on a tight end <laughs> screen. Uh, the other one to blast a game that was negative two yards, but still he knew where to go with the ball. And maybe another favorite play of the game was that we got away with was him getting rid of the ball so he didn't take the sack on the play before throwing the touchdown to DJ Moore. That was good awareness to know where he could at least throw it in a direction that it could not be grounding. Potentially. Did they call that th- one incomplete? The one that I thought it was grounded. Picked they up? called it incomplete, yeah. Wow, I totally thought that. I thought they must have pinned him with a sack, and then I just missed it. Because I'm watching the game in an airport, right? Oh, okay. I I loved the up and down ball that he had to Cole Komet, where he layered the ball right over a linebacker underneath, and then mm-hmm. dropped it onto Cole Komet, like as he came roughly across the middle of the field. I mean, it's part of why I loved what when I talk about the offensive line, I can't name a specific offensive lineman because it's more like I just know how long a lot of these routes took to develop, and the offensive line held him there. I mean, one funny play that I think is worth talking about. You remember the Lucas Patrick hold, the one where Justin yeah. Fields like gets outside the pocket at, at the count of about nine and then throws the ball over the middle, a seed to Cole Komet, doesn't count, play comes back. Lucas Patrick holding for four seconds, we will take that every time. Like right. if you if you hang in there for four seconds and then take the hold, that's pretty NFL. That's NFL good in most mm-hmm. circles. It is a little funny watching Fields sometimes because, again, I'm trying to be as complimentary as Fields as possible because this is the real deal Fields, right? This is a game that Fields asserts himself, I think, and says, no, we're clearly a top 20 quarterback. Like, you can't take the Fields package in 2023 and say we're not a top 20, probably not a top 15 quarterback. Are we going to take too many hits? How long is the career going to be? How sustainable is this? Throw all of that out. What is it like in a fantasy draft, not a fan, you get it, like a backyard football draft. How quick are we picking fields next week? Probably in the top 16, right? But watching him sometimes can train your eyes to think that pockets last longer than they should. 
And that's where I want to credit the offensive line, right? Because every once in a while, when Fields makes a play around the five, six second mark, that's a massive kudos to an offensive line that I don't think we expected to be able to do this. And so I'm sure when we go back and watch the tape, we'll be singing Darnell Wright's praises, Tevin Jenkins's praises, Nate Davis sometimes. It's always sometimes with him, yeah. right? But Fields makes... Well, and, and I yeah. saw... Did you see the, the the spin move Hutchinson had on Braxton Jones where he literally just bear-hugged him and he starts like laughing. He's like, yeah, you're not getting out of this one. <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is good. I mean, you have obviously like a high-end edge that you have, you know, the question mark of your O-line for next year, I think, well, besides center is... Are you going to draft a high end left tackle? Right. And Braxton Jones keeps stacking games like this. Like he's making the decision. So like, that's, that's a huge positive. And the bears had another scripted drive where they absolutely nailed it. I mean, one thing that I've loved that fields is able to do, and he does it especially against the lions because Aaron Glenn loves to play man coverage. And first of all, I really don't get why. I mean, just talking to you because you criticized Love for the Thanksgiving performance where he didn't have to do anything. Uh, right. And the, the Love Kansas City performance. Man, Aaron Glenn couldn't have made it easier on Justin Fields sometimes. Like sometimes. some of these bears were wide open, like yep. that touchdown throw that we're talking about on fourth and 13. But early on, they were handing Fields rushing lanes. And when they were uh, like, overextending to the outside to try to take fields away, hand it off to Deontay Foreman. The guy runs straight up the gut for six or seven yards. And then I loved that little shift into the, uh, what was that? DJ Moore on a wildcat direct snap to get yep. into toss crack. And you mentioned Braxton Jones. This is how I segued there comes flying out to kick out the corner on that side of the ball and let DJ just trot on into the end zone. Mm -hmm. The bears scripted well, drives. The, yeah. yeah but Sorry, but the other part of that play is Fields is the reverse to that. Mm -hmm. And I specifically watch because this is like the fun part for me. So I'm like, okay, which defender went with Fields? And there, you if you watch it, there was a linebacker or safety that just was like flying and they bet he was completely out of the play. <laughs> I bet it worked. Like now you got toss crack with one defender coming out of the fit. Like, yep. of course, it's a touchdown. The Bears scripted drives. You got to hand that one to Getsy. I swear they start seven nothing nearly every week. Like mm -hmm. when anybody that comes into the game th that wants to say, oh, these Bears fans, oh, they hate fields so much. I'm going to show them the first drive is the greatest time to clown on anybody because the Bears start seven nothing nearly every week, man. Yeah. And mass, I, I think that's a kudos to get see. Obviously, I actually liked his attack this week. Is that blasphemous to say? Are we allowed to say nice things about Luke? Getsy I mean, no, because I mean, just like players, like this is the other part too, is I think we have this thing in our head where it's like, well, if you have this elite quarterback, you're going to get that every week. No, you're not. Okay. Jared Goff. We talked about this before they played the first time was the number one PFF rated quarterback. Where's he been the last four weeks? Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, oh where's Patrick Mahomes been as you know, he's mad about the call and slamming his helmet and you know, whatever. Like, I mean, the other part too, that Robert, you're talking about offensive line. I mean, I watch Mahomes, I watch Allen, I watch Hertz, I watch some of these athletic quarterbacks. They take a lot of time in the pocket too, you know? So, oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there, it's not just like, it's just, oh, Justin Fields holds onto the ball and he too long. It's like all of them do. If you watch it, they all do because they want to make a big play. Totally. With Fields, if we saw a couple more scramble to throw moments, I think we'd get over it a little. Yep. Right with fields right now, it feels like once we get once we enter creation mode, we are running the ball. And hey, kudos to him again, super athlete. And especially when the guy's coming off of a bye early in the game, he was neither or like he wasn't tackleable. 
And he had the burst to stretch nearly any play into an explosive. I mean, if I was the defensive line coach for the Detroit Lions, whose name I do not know, I would have torn whatever hair I have out left because I swear all those guys are bald. Uh, Like, Justin was racing up the gut of any pocket he got the chance to and Mm -hmm. ripping off massive runs. He had 50 rushing yards, if memory serves, before he had 12 passing yards. Like, uh, or something like that. He had like, he had like 20, he had 28 on the first drive. And I, I've had time before we've, I really started this podcast where I rewatched the first drive. Um, And some of those, I, I, and again, I don't have the all 22 yet. I didn't see an open receiver. So it's not like, oh, he's just sitting back there and he's making wrong decisions. Like sometimes like there is no open guy. So you have to create and do something. And that's the thing, right? Like. You said B, B plus game. I absolutely want to settle there. And even if I was going to say, like, if we were going to say relativistically, I'd even give Fields an A minus on his own curve because he's had some games where he, you know, we don't eclipse 100 passing yards. This wasn't that, right? We stunned Detroit with our legs, and then we kind of took the legs out of the game plan and kept the same exact yardage total in the second half. We picked up about 130 yards early. We picked up about 150 yards late, and there you go. It's a good, clean game where we scored 28 points. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it was, I mean, I'm not, okay, this is just me being biased. I'm not going to count the kneels. So if you take the kneeling out of it, which is (laughs) negative and counts as a rush, right? I mean, he had 283, 284-ish yards. And that's, that's, what else do you want? Like, he's not going to be, here's the thing is like, he's not going to be Mahomes and throw for three. 30 like that's just not who he is consistently but if you can get 220 200 plus passing and 60 to 80 to 100 rushing like that's a good game right and what i think fields is going to have to battle nick is situation so this is the only time until the end of the podcast that i want to bring this up right but when now that we're concluding the the segment where we talk about justin fields it has to enter the equation carolina we have to talk about negative too though Oh, do you want to talk about negative? Yeah, yeah, because there's plenty of negative. Jump just being in. critical. Unless you want to go with your, your Jump segment. Jump in. There. Jump in. So, 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 well, there's one other positive that comes to mind off the top of my head was the he learned to throw to Deontay Foreman really nice on the sideline. Oh, it was, it, that would have been a crime. I would have sent you to jail if you didn't catch that ball. Like, that was, that, that was magnetic. And, and, then, and then Deontay Foreman uh, proceeds to hurdle because he just loves that in the just open field. the hurdle, man. Like, you didn't have the momentum, man. And then the other one I would say would be a positive before I get to the negative would be when he had great touch on the one to Cole Komet that he dropped where he could have walked in for a touchdown. Oh my gosh. Um, I think that his accuracy was off a little bit today on a few throws. Um, there was a few on the sideline where was it Mooney? Was it fields a little high, a little far? The one dig I talked about was a positive. At least he threw it to DJ Moore was too high over the middle. Um, there were a couple of bad sacks when he just like held on the ball too long. It's like you, you moved into the pressure where you could have sat in the pocket a little bit more. And then also when you move around the pocket so much, the lineman don't know where you are. You cause some holds and some penalties. So like oh, that's yeah. on you as Justin Fields. But um, to me, and then yeah, I think he took ahead. a couple of hits. He didn't need to take like rushing where it's like, right. You're a better athlete than some of these guys like don't dance as much. And then you could save yourself. So I would say those are some of the negatives um, and you know, you want to combine those, you talk about a little bit of 
situation stuff. I mean, like the one of the bad sacks he took was deep in his territory, which set the Lions to take over at like midfield. So that's, right. you know, worse. And he also took a sack at like the 20 that could have pushed the, well, actually that's the grounding call that I still can't believe they didn't flag him for. Right? I know. Because if you flag him for that, or you just call it a sack, that field goal gets much tougher for Cairo Santos. And they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have probably needed it because the Lions defense or the Lions offense could not move the ball. But what I think is so funny, Nick, is when we're talking about Justin Fields, when we're talking about any quarterback, right? Every grade starts with your expectations, right? Mm -hmm. And taking a few bad sacks, that has become to me just part of Justin Fields' brand, right? Yep. If you get the explosives, if you get the runs to account for it, you get you sequence those runs in with some drives that score points, then these drives where he basically pushes all of his sacks into a couple series, you'll live with that. Not because it's good, but because maybe that's a little bit of what Justin Fields is, right? Justin Fields doesn't normally spray the ball. I'm with you. He looked like a certain uh, prospect out of North Carolina today where the good throws were great and the bad throws were off. And you just, it, and you know, we, we missed a little bit and we weren't sure why. I am very excited to see the All-22 on some of these balls to Darnell Mooney because I cannot for the life of me figure out who was wrong. Because yeah. Darnell sure made those passes look uncatchable as mm -hmm. he would flail for him, but they also didn't seem that bad, right? right. Like, right. and so well, there, there was one, there was one over, I would say, about the right tackle over the middle of the field where he hits Mooney for a first down, and Mooney turns into the defender. And from what I recall, Fields hits him on the other shoulder to get him to turn away from the defender. So Mooney right. just turned in the wrong way. It's like you could have had a huge play. So I just don't know if, if Mooney's in his head trying to do too much, too. Right. I don't know. But I, I also want to just go to bat for something you kind of mentioned. We are in this state of mind where we're being hypercritical of fields. Watch another game. Like Justin Herbert scored seven points. In the, over the last two weeks, Justin Herbert's offense has scored 13 points. Like, well, he, he left the game. He got hurt, too. Do you know I, that? Yes, I did. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I, I can pick on anybody if you yeah, want well, me to. And other like, quarterbacks can get hurt, too. Everyone, like, just saying, like, Fields gets hurt. Like, there's a lot. Of, Jake Browning got hurt, left the game. Like, quarterbacks very get quickly. hurt all the time. Absolutely. I, what I'm really trying to point out here is that a quarterback playing a complete game almost never happens. Like, yeah. it's people talk about, like, I just want a team that's going to play a complete game. If by complete game, you mean they're on the front foot and they're dominating, like, the 49ers do that sometimes. And nobody else in the league has consistently been able to do that. You're trying to win two and a half quarters and make them count. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And so the within this, I thought Fields won his two and a half quarters. Like, I actually want to give Fields many more flowers than I do criticisms. If you're going to give Fields a criticism, it is that we still take way too many vicious hits like it's not just hit total it's the hit ferocity man i personally i hope i'm convincing you a little just because i completely understand where jt o'sullivan is coming from and other really smart people about quarterback run game but anytime it doesn't work your quarterback loses the protections given to passers and just takes a running back hit. And those things are so vicious for somebody in quarterback pads that it always makes me tense up and cringe as I watch the game. Like 79, basically flatlining Justin Fields. Obviously, the next passing play did not go according to schedule because yep. that was a monster hit, man. Mm -hmm. And some of the deep drops that Fields took and some of the sacks that we took there. Yeah, of course, I'd love it if we ditched the ball. I don't know why the Bears don't have hot routes in their offense. That's just something I've accepted at this point. 
that whether it's Tyson Bajit or Justin Fields, I swear there's nobody turning around and checking whether or not we're going to like have a rusher and it's therefore to catch the ball early. It's just not something we do. Feels right. kind of basic. I, I'll save that complaint for later, right? Mm-hmm. More to say, Nick, that I'm with you that these are criticisms, but there's an aspect of this where this is just who Justin Fields is. If you want to throws to the outside, you don't want Jared Goff as your quarterback, right? Like Jared Goff is going to snipe over the middle of the field, basically between the numbers, and that's going to be yeah. about that. Yeah, and j- if- just like Jimmy Garoppolo, just like Brock Purdy, just like Tom Brady, they love in the middle of the field. Right, and Justin Fields, he's probably not going to throw over the middle of the field. And he's probably going to love what he can do outside the numbers. He's probably going to struggle against the blitz a little bit. If you can push his eyes down, he probably will oblige and try to run past you. Today, I thought he ran past the defense more often than he got destroyed. But I still worry just in my heart of hearts when we talk about sustainability. The hard part about this conversation, Nick, is all of that. Let's put it in a box. Right, because that is certainly what I think. First or first watch through of the game, the Carolina Panthers look so hapless in their six to twenty eight loss to the Saints that at, in a week where we've already seen New England win out of nowhere, I guess it wasn't totally nowhere, right? It was everybody's favorite upset pick around Thanks, Chicago, Mitch. but we saw the Panthers' strength of schedule. I don't know if you saw this dip another eight points. So oh, really? that that gives the Bears now that the Jags lost and a couple others on their schedule, that gives the Bears effectively a two and a half game lead on the number one overall pick. PF uh the guy who is formerly known as PFF Moo, I don't remember his Twitter handle now because I think he's with Sumer Sports, but his analytics model has the Bears at a 93.2% chance of the number one overall pick. And Nick, I actually want to vibe with you a little bit. It makes this conversation really gross, in my opinion, because everything that we would say about Justin Fields, like in a normal setting, okay, maybe we don't have like a top eight quarterback on our hands right now. Could we simulate one if we loaded the offense and basically made this offense unbeatable around a quarterback that we think has limitations? Well, that's a plan that a lot of people have actually had a decent amount of success with. Uh, You know, we just have the opportunity to pick one of the best quarterbacks in recent memory. And one of, one of, everybody always gets twisted up. I had like five conversations in Utah with different bachelor party guys about like, I just don't think he's Trevor Lawrence. The moment that that's your argument, in my opinion, you've already put Caleb in that class and you know where we are, if that makes sense. And to me, Nick, this whole conversation just gets really funky because Zach Wilson threw for 300 yards today against yeah. the Atlanta Falcons. One game pop-offs happen. Justin Fields now has, what, four like strong games. Two of them were against the Lions this season. And so we go up against the Browns next week and a revitalized Joe Flacco. And if we get shut down on offense and the quarterback looks like he struggles, we may look at the Lions game as a great trade value game, which again, to me, feels really, really gross. I don't like thinking this way. I'm right. just trying to think through the perspective of the business right? And Mm -hmm. the opportunity that they have. But I got to tell you, Nick, it does feel like an awfully strange time to be a Bears fan. Exciting time, but strange time because games like this only muddy the water on what you do next year, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's a good problem to have. And you're, and again, I, right now, I think I would have Caleb above Drake May, but 
I think any of the choices are still good. And I always lean on one thing, even after today with Justin Fields. It's going to depend on what you can get for the one-on-one. If you're not going to get much in a trade package, then I think that makes the decision for you. But if you get a great trade package, now it's a way bigger conversation because there's some people that say, can I jump in and also say, can it work in reverse? Right? Like, okay, Nick, say that today convinces, today convinces the Atlanta Falcons, right? Today's game, they go, hey, we're not screwing around anymore. We'll give you our number one, assuming we make the playoffs. Or, like, we'll give you our first-round pick, assuming we make the playoffs. Like, can it work in reverse? Where if Fields gets a certain value, you almost feel like you have to send him. Yeah, I mean, that certainly could because then, I mean, it's a huge, that's the thing. It's a huge conversation because you can conversation contract, age, injuries, right? You're talking about that. Leadership, how Fields is in the locker room, how Caleb is in the locker room. Um, their game, how it fits in the offense. I mean, there's so, I mean, the trade packages both ways that that's why it's so like almost every Twitter conversation isn't about <laughs> the bears win. It's about, okay, now who are you going to have at court? Like, like it's Ugh. so obsessed with quarterback because there's no easy answer. Cause it's no, because Justin Fields isn't Zach Wilson, even no. though Zach had a good game today. I'm happy for him for that. It's he is playing BB plus ball. He's not playing. A ball. They scored more points than the Bills did, which is silly because that's a super duper cross comparison, right? Comparing the Bears against the Lions to defense that right now is is struggling, right? <laughs> like Bears you look struggling. at, I think this is the fourth week in a row, twice against the Bears that they've now given up twenty five points or more, right? They gave up what was it twenty eight against the Saints? I'm doing this entirely off the top of my head, so please yeah. tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, I'll, I'll look. Was it 28 against the Saints, 27 against the Packers, 26 against the Bears, uh, and then today, 28 against the Bears? Uh, here, I'll stall look. for time as you do this. More to say <laughs> that, that that's why we need the whole five-game sample size. Like, there is no, we're done here. Today, it's, we're not done here next week. We're not done here after Arizona. Like, everybody who keeps saying, come on, Robert, we've got a 35-game sample size with Justin Fields. I can't help but look back at that, Nick, and say, I understand what you think you're saying, but you've got one dysfunctional team in 2011 of totally separate flavor of dysfunctional team in 20, or in not 2011, 2021, a totally separate flavor of dysfunctional in 2022. And now in 2023, we took half a season, then we got hurt, then we came back. This is the gel moment, and they do look different. Like, we need mm-hmm. to see five-game sample of what the different looks like. Are they mm-hmm. going to hang 28 against an Atlanta Falcons team where Tampa Bay just did the same, right? Or, or are they going to flounder? Are they going to hang 21 against the Browns? Are the Browns going to beat them? Like, there's so much to this. And, and unfortunately, yeah, it does matter whether you win or lose in this game. Right. Like, right. even as Justin Fields, if you lose 42 to 38, you're going to get a major hat tip. And then people are going to find that thing that you did wrong because that time it lost the game. You talk about some of the sacks, like just to finish that point, it is so much easier for me to forgive those sacks when you didn't lose and they didn't call you for grounding and it didn't cost you points. Like, do I love the process on those? Not really, but that's pretty standard Justin Fields process in some of these cases. And I'm glad we're just not fumbling. Like we didn't turn the ball over. We didn't put the ball in danger ever. Like, 
thumbs up. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Back to you. Yeah. yeah. So to answer your question, um, the Lions have allowed 26 or more points in six of their last seven games. Six of their last seven games? The only the only team that's not scored 26 or more is the Raiders. Did they what so, score 17? So, yeah, they scored 14. So Baltimore oh. put up 38. I'll go, I'll go in order. So this is week six or seven. When Baltimore stomped the Lions, 38 mm-hmm. to 6. So 38, Vegas scored 14. Chargers, 38. Bears, 26. Packers, 29. Saints, 28. Bears, 28. Man, that is not They great. are struggling. Well, and as I said before the season started, that, I mean, with Minnesota, Detroit, and Chicago being bottom four in the NFL and defense, whoever plays good defense is really going to determine the division. And right now the Lions are, are going the wrong way. The other thing I want to add in about fields is I think, and again, I don't know how that thumb is that could be altering some of these like uh, errant throws, because if you look at Jared Goff, right, very accurate quarterback, he was inaccurate today. A lot of those passes were low or he was missing them. Um, I mean, that was the issue with St. Brown. And now whether that's coverage, whether that's timing, whether that's pressure, whether that's Goff, whatever. Um, But one of the throws I think fields missed on that was a touchdown was the uh I think it was probably smash was the corner out to the right to DJ Moore in the end zone was inside and probably not high enough. If that's outside, I would say even another foot that's a touchdown to DJ Moore. Totally. But like you're kind of getting at, it is really easy to pick and scratch at some of these when yep. we are in like I'm the critical guy. I've I've been so critical of Justin Fields. I almost want to take a week where I can position myself in this conversation, Nick, as the person who says, yes, but also he's been a CPOE leader for like four weeks now. The fact that he had one week where he fell back to earth and ended up with a CPOE of like negative six, it happens. Like, Mm -hmm. this is the NFL. You aren't going to play perfect football every single day, especially when we finally went back to like true Big Ten weather. Right. Where from what I understood, it was like 38 degrees. And I don't know anybody that plays spectacular ball when it's that cold. But that's just I've I've one more scenario for you with Justin Fields. Okay, sure. So. Well, one exciting thing with Chicago winning the five wins is the over under was seven and a half. Remember, and we were always trying to figure out now they're getting close to that, which would be cool. I also did bet the over. So it'd be cool for me to make money on that. Um. (laughs) But, like, let's say the Bears win three of four. Okay. Okay, I think that's probably, like, okay, because I mean, Arizona's eight, probably nine. an automatic win. I would say between, you know, Atlanta, Green Bay, maybe you get one in Cleveland. I don't know. It's close. I say you're at least two, maybe three, maybe four. So, let's say you win three in this scenario. You win three games. You finish eight and nine. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of momentum going your way. Yes, it is. You're winning what that would be, winning eight of your last – 13 mm-hmm. finish eight and five. And then you have the debate of fields and the number one pick. And let's say fields has games like today where it's like B ish, B plus mm-hmm. good, some bad plays, some really good plays, solid play overall. I mean, that, mm-hmm. let's say that's the, the average. Okay. Right. Which honestly, if you take the last five full starts that he's had, he's played about like this. He hasn't had like a full bad game. This is, this is a great benchmark for what yeah, fields yeah. has been. So, if that's where it's at, how do you, Robert, okay, whether mm-hmm. you're Pulse, whether you're Eberflus, you know, let's say they come back, whatever. Mm-hmm. How do you tell your locker room, hey, you know what? That guy eh, wasn't good enough. We're going to get rid of him as our leader and our quarterback. 
and we're going to bring in a whole new quarterback after you just went eight and nine. The argument would be the exact same argument that the the, the Los Angeles Rams and Sean McVay made when they sent Jared Goff away and they brought in Matthew Stafford, right? And it's a little weirder because you're dealing with a rookie, and I understand that. But it is the same. It's just business argument. I thought you were going to ask me a different question. And are you ready for the most? Oh, good. Do, do, do you have another one? Yeah, I want to. I want to look that one up quick. Are you I'm ready curious. for the most vanilla answer that I could possibly give about Justin Fields? Because you've you've really started itching my brain here. So if they I'm ended good. eight and nine, the only sensible course of action, and to be honest with you, Nick, what I'm about to describe is going to be the course of action in every scenario other than nine and eight make the playoffs, and God forbid you win a game. Like at that point, there's no decision to be made. Everything's getting run back, right? You are going to finish the season. You are going to open the phone line. You are going to let people call you for number one. You're going to let people call you for number one. You pick up the the double meaning there. Uh, and, And you're just going to meet out the value that you get for both, right? And it's not one to one. One of them is a current player with two years of control left on his contract that you drafted at you're another organization technically drafted at like 11th in a trade-up okay the other one is number one that is a five-year contract under control probably caleb williams right but more than likely a quarterback and you're going to see nick which of those two is going to give you the most value and then you're going to make the move if the nfl doesn't want to give you nothing they want to give you a conditional second round pick uh for 2025 then, and on the other hand, you could get four first-round picks in Drake London. The decision is made for you. There's right. not a lot you can do about it, right? But if, on the other side, the Bryce Young trade freaks people out, and so all you're getting is a player and a first, or two firsts, and that's it, right? Uh, on the other side, somebody's going to offer you a first and a second for Justin Fields. The decision is also made, right? And so it, I don't like it. Because it's so out of our control, <laughs> in my opinion. Like, this is getting to the point, Nick, where we just don't know. And all we can do is truly speculate. Because the better Fields plays, the more there is no wrong answer. The But the better Fields plays, the more another GM would look at Fields as the hope and savior of their franchise. And theoretically, once you get two GMs that think that, now they're going to give you something I for know. Justin Fields. Yep. And the moment that we go from, oh, well, we'll just get a second to you get a first in this draft, like you could load up on Johnny Newton and Malik Neighbors and Caleb Williams. Like that is a different conversation. It's not one better than the other. It's different ways to try to achieve the same goal. And we haven't even talked about the guys that are leading this team right now, have we? No, I know. Yeah, there's there's a lot more to it. You you know what's funny is that – so. I, as we're we're chatting here, you just like you know, like I'm like looking. I looked back at that Rams team. So who that made that trade? Because I mean, they, they made the Super Bowl, lost to the Patriots, right? right? And then Golf had two years in a row of just really subpar play. I mean, he had 90, and then I think like an 86 quarterback rating years, and that's still like that's not great. I mean, it's okay. It's not. It's not like you know, people. Well, the. Well, the Cardinals traded Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen looked like trash. Josh Rosen like, looked bad. Like, that's not even a comparison. Like, that's like, okay. But Fields is playing better, I would say, than that level of play that Jared Goff had. And I looked at those teams. They were like 9-7, and 10-6, and six, and they had the number one 
defense. So it's like, well, you're the number one defense, you have a move, but that's a tough decision to make. Like, I'm not going to argue there. So yeah. that that's very, very interesting. But yes, so let's talk about the rest of the team. In a, in a perfect so, world, I just want to say this one more time to jump in mm-hmm. with you. In a perfect world, if we were playing Madden, I would, I'm getting to the point where I would rather just have both quarterbacks, as ridiculous as that sounds. It's just not real life. And I wish it was real life, but yeah. you are going. The other thing that hurts Nick, because to speak to that, to speak to that and why that's not real life, you are going to hit the sales peak, like the optimal sell time of both assets, Justin Fields and the number one overall pick, like right before free agency. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like that's, that's it. Like, well, dirty. no, no, because the, when is it? Whenever it's, the league year starts is when the optimal times for the draft pick. When does the league year start? That at free agency. Is it okay? Because that's remember that's that's when the 2026 first become available. It's the same time. Okay. Uh and right, so right. that's that's right about when you get it. But so let's talk about this defense, right? Dude. Like these guys are on fire. And can I talk about the lowest of the low first so that we can then work our way up and just massage the gills I, of I, everybody on I this team? I have some gripes with the defense. Like, I'm, there's some things like I am upset about. So, yeah, really? if you want to go first, then I'll go second. So, one thing I love seeing on this defense is that we are starting to get really solid play from guys that are getting targeted. To use an example, Tyreek Stevenson has been every off every opposing offense's favorite target. Like, everybody watches film and they go, we're going to kill 26 or 29. And we saw Tyreek Stevenson start the game with a couple of decent coverage moments, then end the half with getting burned by Josh Reynolds, and it was bad. And then what happens the next drive after that? PD on first down on a cross cutter, no less. So he is sprinting to keep yep. up with this ball and take it away from Sam Laporta. Then the second down happens, and on third down, he's walking downfield with Jamison Williams, forces a tough throw that Jamison cannot contest because Stevenson puts himself between him and the ball. Stevenson well, was... Was that was that on the third down? That was third down, the deep ball. Why uh, did Jared Goff not throw underneath for an easy first down to St. Brown? Sometimes I'm just not going to ask uh, about what Jared Goff did or didn't do. Uh, my honest, my <laughs> well, honest I mean, opinion... Because we would do the same thing, right? I think I think Williams Jared Goff is, is I think Jared Goff is a prescription thrower, right? It's okay yeah. when we get these. Sometimes I wish Justin Fields would do this more. And when he does this, he can look really good at it, right? Where you pick the throw you're gonna throw and you throw it on time, come hell or high water. And right. Jared Goff has some of these balls where he fits a full football in a half football window because he's so committed to being a prescription thrower. But like you're saying, this also means at times Jared fits this 15-yard ball in that should not be and passes on a nine-yard catch and run that's so open. Under- well, there, there, there was another one where where it was um, where there was a dig. It was like the Laporta or Reynolds, right? And they're like, wow, look at him fit this behind this backer and before the safety. And underneath St. Brown's just sitting there wide open at right. six yards. I'm well, like, that was the shallow cross play, right? Where they had. Well, like, he was, well, one, he was just sitting there with stick, I think. It was and, and wrap behind. You know, wrap, right? Right. Yeah. I'm like, they're both open, but one was wide open. Right. What I love seeing when I t- is obviously I'm going to take every moment I can to talk about Stevenson, but the main reason I'm bringing it up here, Nick, is because we are seeing development. And if we are going to give Matt Eberflus some praise is that these rookies are coming along. Like mm-hmm. it, it was a while in Nagy before we saw high pick rookies really get any better, right? Yeah. When you can get a corner like Stevenson to give you downs back after he, as he gets targeted, 
you are going to start taking things away. And there mm-hmm. were quite a few plays where Stevenson blanketed Laporta, the number two offense. That's rookie on rookie. Like within the uh, within that Lions offense, number two option in the Lions offense, I right. should say. And that's fun because once you start getting good play from him, like TJ Edwards is on fire. Tremaine Edmonds is making himself known. Andrew Billings is Andrew Billings. Montez Sweat is worth all the money it could possibly be. Jalen Johnson looks like a danger out there. I mean, mm-hmm. that play he had, I understand it was fourth down. and Technically, he should have just batted the ball. Doesn't matter. Like him coming off the short route to then pick off the deeper route. Oh, he is on fire right now, yep. Nick. Like, talk. tell me your highs on the defense before we get into the parts that you're upset about. Oh man. Hot. Wait, is there any pauses I can talk about? Okay. Let me, let me, let me scrape the barrel here, you know, for the, for the, for the defense that I look, they only allowed 267 yards to, I mean, honestly, one of the best offenses in the NFL. And then that even includes, if you think about it, like negative game script, when think of in, in games past, the prevent that's allowed all these yards didn't do it. So I would say that right there is a positive for the defense, for Fluce, et cetera. Um, one play on on a negative play on the long run by Jameer Gibbs. Everybody, I want you to watch that run and watch Zach Pickens. He's the, he's the backside D tackle. He long arms because it's a it's zone run. He long arms. I think it's Sewell or uh, a Panace, yeah Panay Sewell um, or one. It was a good lineman, whoever it was, and he like throws them like off bounce to the ground. I was just like, oh okay. Um, you definitely saw obviously with the twist, right? Dexter got his first half sack, which was exciting. He was pumped, which he should be. But you're seeing pressure from the defense, which is nice. Um, obviously sweats sweats a, a you know a very good player. Um, you're seeing brisker, right? I have to. I mean, I've been critical of brisker, so I have to be positive when he has a good game. Him playing with some confidence is different, right? Even on bad plays, he is in there stopping the run game. He is breaking up. I mean, man, there was that one dig that should have been a reception to Amon Ross St. Brown. And he punched the ball out. Ball out. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy crap, Brisker, on a coverage play? Look at you. So hopefully he's taking the next step. So mm-hmm. it is exciting because also you talked about the Stevenson, you know, Jalen Johnson stuff. After the pick, I don't recall Jalen Johnson being on the field. Did you? Oh, I just didn't think he got looked at. Jared Goff. That, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's Jared what I'm saying. Goff They're like, does. okay, that half. Yep. Nope, all those focus. But that, but here's something that you know that changes. If you have that guy, that helps both safeties out, right? I mean, the old school um Falcons, Niners, Dallas teams, when they had Dion, they would they wouldn't match Dion on the best receiver all the time. Sometimes they would put him on the crappy receiver, and they're like, Okay, Dion, you have him, and now everyone else is just going to focus on whatever receivers they have besides that. Like it changes the dynamic. And so I would, I would love for them to resign Jalen Johnson this week. That would make me feel better, but yeah, there was, there's a lot of positives, but I think this is definitely a good team defensive performance that we should be really right. excited about when you stack it on top of the other ones. And then you're starting to think like, maybe this is who we are. And what I can't help but love is Montez Sweat obviously joins the Bears, makes an instant impact. What is that impact, right? How is this team so different? Can I answer that question, Nick? 
I think it is as simple as that when you watch the way that these quarterbacks are interacting with this Bears defense, they actually have to set the egg timer in the pocket and it will go off, right? Josh Dobbs, Jared Goff twice. Uh, and let me see, there's there's another quarterback mixed in there that I'm just forgetting about at this point, but I'm not going to worry about it. Like, we are starting to see, oh, I guess it's Bryce Young. So maybe this isn't the most exhaustive list of quarterbacks, right? But the quarterbacks that the defense has faced have actually acted as if the pressure is going to reach them if they don't throw the ball, right? And when you get some of these hasty throws, these are obviously the throws that are turning into turnovers. They're throws that are demoralizing. I mean, fourth down or not, when your guy throws a pick at a, only a couple weeks removed from a game where he threw four of them, that's mm-hmm. going to take some wind out of your sails. Well, well to, to give you a bonus too, Robert, you look at the quarterbacks we're going to face coming up here. Joe Flacco, right? Uh, who is, hang on. Joe Flacco's playing like the best version of himself. He's, I mean, still. It, I'm if he totally was, if he joking. Was the guy, it's just it been be bizarre. <laughs> right? But also, so, well... Okay, now you're going to get me on some of this stuff. All right. But anyway, so it's going to be Flacco. It's going to be Kyler Murray, Mm -hmm. Desmond Ritter, and Jordan Love. So to me, in my opinion, that's not going to tell us, okay, these guys are going to feel way better in the pocket. They're going to feel, you know, completely different. Like we're not going to have Herbert or Kirk Cousins, even level quarterbacks or Mahomes where they light us up early in the year. Like it's very different the last four games. So I am going to say something that I don't think I expected to say. Because I have been wanting for weeks to not give Matt Eberflus an inch if I could avoid it, right? Mm -hmm. But we are getting to the point where we are stacking too many games. Like, I would love, truly, Nick, if I got to choose what Robert, crazy kooky Robert Schmitz would like, I would still love to move on from Eberflus at the end of the year so that you pass a defense that is on fire over to an offensive staff because these things keep We have seen it in the past that if John Fox moves on, then the Gary Kubiak that comes in behind him literally wins the Super Bowl. Like it's it's actually a relatively proven strategy on how you can develop a team around defense and fundamentals and hustle and take guys who have that culture, pass them to an offensive mind, iterate a little bit on offense and win. Right. But beyond that. You so are, the, is this your tinfoil argument that you didn't even think about? Like this is the whole, maybe this was Poles' plan, right? Maybe it was. Bring Flus in, build the defense up, get rid of him, then bring the offensive guy, Super Bowl. Is that what you're saying? If 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 it was, I will clap even harder for a guy who we're gonna give we're gonna dedicate a whole section to clapping to later in this podcast, right? But so what I wanted to more get at is you mentioned those quarterbacks, I want to say him again, right? Joe Flacco, who looks like a strong version of himself. I mean, a lot of older quarterbacks fade as the season goes on because Joe Flacco was signed so late. This looks like the September version of an older quarterback in December. It is actually a really good mix. It sets up for a funny scenario with Cleveland that I wonder if you see this coming too, where Flacco gets extended, comes back, and then maybe he even wins the job from Watson and then fades around late November, early December next year because a lot of older quarterbacks' arms just... They wear out over the course of a season. But anyways, you've got an NFL veteran that is on fire right now. Then you've got Kyler Murray, who is playing definitively above like water football, wherever you think water is, right? He's playing solid ball. Then you've got Desmond Ritter, who just threw for, what was it, 342 yards in in a loss, albeit, 
but right. I'm pretty sure Ritter just popped off. I don't think he's good, but I don't think he's that bad. And then you've got Jordan Love, who's got one of the healthiest offensive schemes around him and is starting to find his footing in it. Can I just say this, Nick? No, it's not. It's not Josh Allen. It's not Patrick Mahomes. It's not Joe Burrow. But like, let's take a step back and say this is the NFL. This next four quarterbacks that you're about to face is regular season NFL variety, right? You've got a stand, a tall standing pocket passer with an arm that can move you. You've got a quick footed mobile quarterback in Kyler Murray. That's got enough anticipation and enough weapons around him to punish you. If you overplay the legs, then you've got Desmond Ritter with a plethora of weapons around him. It's a little more limited. If you could put him in a box, can you put him in that box? Because if you do, you could take the ball away and really kill him. And then Jordan love who right now is playing as if he's untouchable can you touch him? Because the moment you give that guy any pressure, he folds like a piece of confetti paper. But a lot of teams haven't been able to do it. These are really interesting defensive challenges because I'm not asking them to be the number one defense, but this is what you would need to be if you were a top 10 defense. Am I crazy? All right. All right, Robert. We need, we need, I want, here's a quiz time. Okay. We haven't had the trivia question yet. Okay. So quiz here, Jared Goff. In his 11 games not playing Chicago this year, 11, how many interceptions did he have? My guess would be that he had a grand total of six. Five. Man. So it's I, close. I bet right? didn't three or four of them come in the last couple of weeks? Nope. Okay. Nope. So he had uh, week two, he had one. Week two, three, and four, he had one each. And then oh, you're it right. would have been like, what, seven and 80, he had one each. So they just played a pitiful game against Green Bay that involved no interceptions then. <laughs> yeah, well, he had, well, two touchdowns, 332 yards, oh, and playing, trying to play catch-up. 103 right. quarterback rating, which I think is a little faulty. But anyways, five picks in 11 games, and in two games against Chicago, he's had five picks. Just going to put this out there, Robert. You're saying it's going to be a test of these other guys. Mm-hmm. They just made one of the best quarterbacks, you know, I would say playing this year. Look like Josh everybody Dobbs. else, even Baltimore. He only had one pick against Baltimore. Make it made him look like a pumpkin. Mm-hmm. So Flacco, that's my point. You know, Flacco is selling, you know, insurance or whatever he was doing, <laughs> you know, off the couch. You know, it's like that lineman, right? The um, is it uh, Risner from Minnesota, yes. you know? Straight off the couch, you know, right. Joe, Joe Flacco, you know, I mean, I'm not saying they can't turn him back into a pumpkin or that's Kyler Murray or Ritter who got benched or Jordan Love. So I'm or- more trying to set the stage that I know that there's a sect of Bears fans that want to take any credit away from what's happening on defense and basically say, well, these quarterbacks aren't good enough to be true tests. And I'm kind of sitting here like, I mean, you got to win the regular season before you win the playoffs. Like, if you don't like the 4-3, you can say you don't like the 4-3. But a lot of what the Bears are doing, like you're saying, Nick, is winning. Like, they they tightened down in that second uh, half. They right, gave no quarter. Do, do, do you know sorry. the yardage splits between the halves? Do we have, well, hold on. like, this stats is, This that is just Jared Goff. Okay, because I have it up. Jared Goff's previous season low. So he, he, he threw for 161 yards today. His previous season low, y'all? All of his games, 210. His completion percentage today, 57.1. Previous season low, 62.3. That, that's all of the games. The Bears 
were unreal today. Yes. Like, give them credit, y'all. Gotta. I mean, they took a 9-3 and three team and soundly beat them by two scores and held them to one of their lowest offensive outputs. And, and what you said in the preview show, Robert, you were, now again, I picked Detroit to win. You picked Detroit to right. win. But what you said, and I and I didn't really disagree, was I'm sure Dan Campbell is going to go in there and you know give them the the kneecap speech and you right. see what this team did to you last time and you're going right. to come out. And they came out like this, and the only two drives they had that were really good, Chicago messed up on the fourth down, which we haven't talked about yet, and gave them the ball at the 38 or 40, I think, and then they. Um, Fields took the sack and they punted and the return. It got back to like the 50s. They they had two short fields. The two short fields is really the only drives they had sustained all day. And so it was a masterclass today. I mean, it really was like, I I can't say enough good things about what the defense is doing because they're getting play from everybody. Like, I mean, on early downs, you've got Andrew Billings just consuming gaps left and right. You've got, you talked on offline somewhere else about how much you hate watching Yannick Ngakwe defend the run. But even then, they've got Jack Sanborn and TJ Edwards just flowing over the top of Yannick. And most of the time, it's still not an effective run play to go in that direction. You have to be happy with your four yards because that's all you're going to get. Most so of the can, time. Can I complain now? Yes. The things I hate about the defense? Yes. All right, y'all. So hater, haters. You're right. You I go. forgot there were things get, you hated. <laughs> get, get the pen and paper ready. Okay? Because this is what it is. So, if you want Flus gone and you want to say yes to Ben Johnson, okay, I could talk you into Jared Goff has been playing poorly, and I think that the design of things has been well. Like, let's say when they checked uh, there was a blitz and they checked to a swing pass to Jameer Gibbs, which I think he walks in for like a 30 yard touchdown. touchdown and they had multiple false starts where they would have a first down run of five yards. And then, Oh, now it's second and 10. Like they, they set themselves up, I think poorly today, but here are my gripes with the defense. Unique Nagakwe. I know you probably listened to the podcast. Can you, can you talk to Flus, your D line coach, whatever, and say, Hey, idea i really i know you really want me to get sacks right how about you just let me come in on passing downs because you were terrible against the run i mean (laughs) terrible when you look at what this game is like watch the game or watch when they run to the left all it is is at you and you get literally bounced out of the club right and then they're they're just going to fit this up in, in b gap c gap wherever whether i don't even care if it's sam laporta moving you it's the tackle moving you it is bad and that was like the key to the whole game. If you're watching it, I'm like, oh, look, this guy again, this guy again. It's always going to be runs at you. Then they bring in Demarcus Walker. Magically, Robert, we stopped the run. Wow. <laughs> Just bring Walker in on first and second downs. On, like Atlanta's coming up. You better have Demarcus Walker in there. Do not have Unique Nagakwe who can't stop the run. Now, he barely can rush the passer. I would debate Demarcus right. Walker's better against the pass. But if that's what his role is, just have him do that. I mean, you can't even have Rasheem Green out there where he jumps offsides on fourth and 26 at the end of the game, and they have a free play, which they didn't complete. How many of us would have lost our mind? Like, okay, first off, 
you're not going to get a good start anyway. So I don't know what you're thinking, but don't even <laughs> jump off sides to give them the chance. Right. I mean, that right. would have been such a floose moment if it happened. Are there last more? Thing, last thing I'm burning on, Robert. Okay. Then I'll, then I'll pivot to you and go right on. Okay. Last one's this. Okay. There, there's a, okay. As a deep, as a, a coach, right? I've coached defense before right. and there's only certain rules that I have. Okay. And it's, you attack the outside of the defender when, if you're, you know, right, the sideline is there because you want to cut him inside to all of your buddies. Right. Right. But you attack, you don't sit there, wait for them to dance, you know, like whatever they're doing, dance, dance revolution. And they come to you and then you hug them and then you fall backwards. I can't tell you how many times Tyreek Stevenson, um, Tremaine Edmonds, they waited waited for the the offensive ball carrier receiver whomever to make a move or they're like well i'll just push them a little bit you gave up you i know we had this master class of yardage it could have been about 30 yards less robert and less first downs if you would attack the outside i would say thigh would be where i would go and don't allow jimmy gibbs to get multiple first downs don't allow these receivers to oh wow they caught it five yards short and they magically got the first down the only one that i saw that went our way that was similar is uh, Fields threw one to Tyler Scott on the sideline. If you remember that one, he's yes. well short of the first down. And Scott acted like a running back and he was aggressive. And the corners just like, eh, just gave him a lazy shoulder. And Scott got the first down. Like that, those plays drive me nuts as a coach because you need to be aggressive. Football is a physical sport. Right. Be physical and go get the ball carrier. First off, the Dance Dance Revolution comment sounded like something exactly what a coach would say. Like, I don't know, some <laughs> dance, dance revolution or other like perfect, like use of a metaphor that's like 15 years old. Half the kids in the room don't even get it at the time. I, I am who I am, Robert. I, I'm a coach. I get honored about this stuff. Absolutely. Like, sound football people. Absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect usage of it. But so it seems that's one of those when it, let's talk about the tackling thing first and then we'll get to unique. Uh, the tackling thing seems like it's just planned. And there are pieces to this where I look at it and I say, okay, so if Tyreek's doing it and Jalen's doing it and Andrew Billings is doing it and the linebackers are doing it, then they are clearly told we will give up three yards if we don't miss the tackle. Like right. we're prioritizing not missing the tackle. And a guy like Jameer Gibbs that can cut on an actual dime will punish you for it by getting close to you, close enough, and then cutting away from you to basically catch the rest of the defense sleeping so they set up the net wrong, if you will. Jameer Gibbs was a whole problem. And I'm really interested to see what they did in the second half to contain him because it was like they turned the faucet off, and I want to know what they did because mm -hmm. I don't think they did it by attacking him more aggressively. I, if anything, I wonder if they just pushed people up for, like pushed people up on the line a little more and basically dared Jared Goff to throw the ball at them. But we'll have to see. More than anything... It's it's more like, Nick, there's, there are going to be pieces to this where it's all give and take because attacking the outside shoulder is great until their offensive player beats your guy, legs out a 45-yard banger of some kind of yards after catch play, and you just have to live with it, right? Mm -hmm. Not everything's going to be successful. Matty Bufloos would rather bleed you an 11-yard first down on, on a 10-yard attempt than ever give you an explosive. And I'm not about to tell you he's right or wrong. 
more to say that seems to be how he thinks. And they and always get close, right? It's like, oh, really they got close. nine. They got ten. I'm like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? I will give Matt Eberflus credit. This defensive identity, whatever offenses they're facing, you are going to have to pick up about five to five to seven yard or first downs the very hard way if you want to get into the end zone. Like this bend but don't break defense is barely bending. Like you have to, you have to create a dent in this bears offense or bears defense. And it is, it is tough sledding out there. Like we thought that the bears D line was going to be able to stop the run pretty well. They're stopping the run very well right now. They are a problem. Not today. Um, yeah, for sure. Especially let's look this up. They allowed a hundred and. 40 yards, 5.8 yards per attempt. It was 5.8 yards per carry. Five, well, I mean, Gibbs had the 36-yarder. Still, I mean, that I happens in most of these so, games. Well, yeah, that's true. So one, one thing to keep in mind, if you watch that play, y'all, and I, I put this on my Twitter, um, and again, I love the guy, but I'm going to be critical either way, just like Justin Fields. T.J. Edwards went cut under a block, mm-hmm. and that sort of allowed a huge rushing lane. If he fights over the block then it's maybe a six yard run. And so it's Real all those moment. little things matter in football. So, but yeah, that added in, it was, yeah, 5.8 yards per carry, which is probably the worst on the season. I mean, that's going to be probably your best rushing team outside of maybe Atlanta the rest of the way. Also secondary comment. You talked about unique and Gakaway. This is the whole argument for why overspending on a good player is better than trying to find a cost-effective answer because Yannick and Gakaway, in my opinion, looks like a complete waste of $10 million. I mean, I I don't have the passion to try to make some big thing out of it. It's just cold stone. You know what I mean, Nick? Like so it is bad. a it is a cold shower take to say Yannick Ngakwe is playing really bad ball right now, and it is what it is. He's kind of always done this. He just makes up for it most of the time because he can handle the tight end at the very least. And then he can play the pass rusher or he can play the pass a little bit better. We don't, we seem like we're a step slow playing the pass and we're not handling the tight end. So now we just don't do anything when we're out of the football field. And yeah, I would way rather pay a Daniil Hunter $25 million and waste eight of them every single year than waste 10 and a roster spot and functionally play with 10 defenders. You know what I mean, Nick? So, okay. All right. Oof. So this does not include today. So I looked up the PFF grades among all edge defenders. This is, again, qualifying. So you have to have, you know, a bunch of snaps. There's 110 qualifiers. Where do you think Unique Nagakwe ranks, Robert? I'm going to go with 104th. 109. You're oh generous. Oh, gosh. Oh, 109. my gosh. Rasheem Green is 96. Oh and we don't like him. Gosh. We expected oh my, him to be there. We paid him like up. he'll be there. I know it's so bad. I'm just looking like Lucas Van Ness, okay? Rookie for Green Bay. He's tied for 74th. Right. I mean, he's a rookie. You expect him to make That's mistakes. That's pretty normal. That's a pretty million, normal disappointing rookie. Worst. What? I'm saying you got paid 10 million as a veteran. You're the second worst qualifying D-end in the NFL. That's why he's going to be on his sixth team in seven seasons. No, oh. other way around. Seventh team in six seasons. Because he got just, traded at one point. He, he's, he's in the... Uh, you know, Lucas Patrick, Justin Jones, you know, the we're not going to be sad you leave. <laughs> but to me, I would look at a Yannick Ngakwe complaint if I could put this back on you a little bit, Nick, and say the moment we finally start complaining because Yannick Ngakwe just looks like a bad or like a bad player on a really good defense. We are riding high. If anything, we're ahead of schedule. 
because that's the kind of player that you were hoping to have a more permanent answer for in this offseason, right? Like, you weren't really thinking. I mean, I guess you were hoping Yannick would be more, but I want to take a moment in this specific part of the podcast to tip my cap to the way Ryan Poles has managed this roster. Like, the whole roster feels like it's flowering left and right. You're getting good, if not great, play from Braxton Jones. Let's keep it at good, right? But in the run game, I feel like you're getting a lot out of Braxton Jones that you aren't out of most left tackles, which makes the occasional moment that, sure, Aiden Hutchinson spills around the edge and creates a pressure livable because you Mm -hmm. don't deal with four of them every game. You're getting one. You're comfortably running empty sets with Braxton Jones at left tackle, and that is all you need to know because you don't run empty if you don't like your tackles. Plain and simple. Like, and they run empty a lot. They Mm -hmm. love their tackles. Darnell Wright is way ahead of schedule. I think Kyler Gordon looks spicy out there. Tremaine Edmonds is finding an answer. Somebody pointed out the other day that Tremaine Edmonds is PFF grade in coverage right now. I don't know if it's PFF grade or if it's like a coverage stat, like when he gets targeted. It showed up on one of the billion graphs you see on Twitter that Tremaine Edmonds has been really strong in coverage. I'm not shocked. Dude plays like a 5'10 safety in a 6 billion like 230 pound man's body and honestly it has its uses like today throwing over the middle looked hard looked competitive and the moment that jared goff finally laid one over the middle on fourth and a million tremaine picked it off like it's wild to me watching this defense where even the guys that we have complained about are starting to play their part Tremaine Edmonds as a pursuit backer, we've talked about it on this show, comes up with what, did, did, did I catch count three big-time tackles for what should have been, let's say, eight, nine-yard stretches, but instead they got cut off around three to four yards? Like, that's how this defense is supposed to work, Nick, right. is just right. steal back some yards on mm-hmm. every other down, especially when you run the ball, and then from there, manufacture a third and long-ish that you're able to keep them, like keep them from converting, whatever that looks like. It's yeah, well, and that's why you have athletes because right. if if it's if it's rally to the ball, you want the guys that are faster than the guys that are stronger. Yeah, exactly. And so then you, we look across this defensive line. Andrew Billings, I still think is it has to be competing, has to be competing for like steal of the league, like r- the fact that they got him for a veteran minimum and then extended well, and PJ Edwards. Yeah, and TJ Edwards. Like, but TJ at least is paid triple what Billings is paid. True. Like, true. and it's not to say that's he looks TJ Edwards looks like your let's call it your run of the mill great signing, which I know those two don't really go together, but you get what I mean. Mm. Andrew Billings was a no namer that has become a like pivotal point of the defense right yeah. now, which is awesome. And then the rookies, you mentioned that Jet Dexter or like you mentioned Pickens flashing here and again. Dexter's flashing here and again. Mm -hmm. He's playing like a very exciting rotational defensive lineman. And you add all this together, man. Like this is a team that is fundamentally built well and over us from a season where they were the worst in football. It wasn't really a question like they they didn't have depth and they didn't have starters either to one season later. They are starting to look like a team. I know this is kind of not real life. Um, but I have to say it anyways, Nick, if somehow we were able to reverse a couple of the results, 
and the Bears were the seven and five team that they probably should be if they just close out Denver and they right. close out Detroit. I believe we would be talking about them the same way we would be talking about the Packers. But instead of like the offense would be the Packers defense. So the offense is the secondary component and the Bears defense would be the Packers offense. Right. Which maybe some people would look at that and say that's as it should be. What I'm trying to build up to here, Nick, they're becoming a team you don't want to see in the playoffs. I think no. like they're becoming a wild card team that a divisional leader would probably rather avoid and deal with one of the other options. Right. I think that is fun. And I think a lot of credit has to go to Ryan Poles, who, if you thought he was done, he has somehow also managed to work the number one overall pick into the Bears like wallet for 2024. It's pretty insane, the position we're sitting in. And it has to be just smiling ear to ear. I mean, they, they've it's almost crazy. Like um, when you look at the, the turnaround the defenses had. They they have six games, Robert, in their last eight where they've allowed seventeen. Oh no, sorry, they had twenty four to, to New Orleans. Like so many of them are in the teens. I mean, Minnesota nineteen, Raiders twelve, Carolina thirteen, Minnesota ten, Detroit thirteen. Like it's like it's unreal. And and what you're talking about is, you know, I know this isn't the season that we all really expected. You know, no. I've obviously starting out zero and four, but. I mean, this is coming together. Like, these guys are, I mean, it's been a long time, Robert, since I'm like, hey, wow, these guys are developing. Like, most of time we don't develop. We're just like, we have to sign the free agents because we suck at drafting. Right. And hopefully the, the the free agents that we sign pan out. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But, like, you're developing guys. Like, I mean, even, like, Roshan Johnson and Tyler Scott and Terrell Smith, like, they're, like, usable day three assets that you're yep. getting you keep stacking i mean you had him braxton jones in there like you keep stacking this and i don't know how you can't see that hey ryan poles no matter what he decides at quarterback at whatever that this guy has a plan and the plan right. is working and to the point this is this word's getting tough is you look at the roster and you're like you know outside of like okay let's add a receiver a center and a safety you're like Man, what do I? What else do I want to draft? What else do I want to add? Because you're like, I like a lot of what we have. I it's tough, like for me to think of a time when I'm not like, man, the Bears have holes everywhere. Man, they could and use just trade down, get twenty picks. Gosh. Like we don't have that now. Nick, I'm so ready to say this. I've been ready to say this for a decade of my life. You know what happens when you finally don't have desperate needs? You just draft the best player available yeah. you make the best decisions based on what your board tells you you get a phone call somebody wants to trade down you don't love your options here anyways all the players that you had at the or like in the cloud for this pick they already got picked you move down you pick up assets you add more defensive line because you can you add more at receiver because you can like yep. this is this is actually how the good teams are built and right. then you get these weird teams that decide that they're just going to make a bizarre decision that I won't understand, like what the Kansas City Chiefs have done at receiver. I do not understand it. Like, I understand that they wanted to give Sky Moore the opportunity to really flower here, but it is bizarre looking at a team that gave that much money to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, spent that pick that they did on uh, Sky Moore, let Juju Smith-Schuster walk after he made some, I know he only had like 50 yards, if that, 
but like some critical catches in the Super Bowl. And well, now the best a thousand yards last year. I know, but it, it, he didn't do a ton in the bowl specifically. Right. Uh, but now Rashi Rice is debatably their best receiver. Well, and, not counting and, and trade for Kadarius Tony, who lined up offsides on one of the best plays of the year and messed it up. Oh, like so cool. Such a cool, cool play. I mean, I mean, drafted Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the first, like they made a lot of mistakes. Right. And, and this is, this is like one of the best teams. And they would be so livable if they had one decent receiver, mm. like that paired with Rashi. It's wild looking at what it takes to undo some of this stuff. They're yep. still eight and five. And that's <laughs> like, and then, and this is okay. And we've talked about this and I'm sure we'll always talk about this, but that's what gets me back to this conversation of people think you have to have the hero elite quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is struggling because he doesn't have a su supporting talent around him. It's a little of both, right? It's the argument of, well, you have to have an offensive coach because the only people that seem to make the playoffs are these offensive coaches and also John Harbaugh. Uh, and then you get like one to two defensive coaches and they lose very fast, right? Right. So do you have to have the offensive coach or is this survivorship bias? Do you have to have the superstar quarterback or is this just survivorship bias? Like, I, I think it's got to be a blend of both, right? Right. You have to have a probably top 10 quarterback if you want to win a Super Bowl. It is going to be very hard if you don't. I personally think that the only moniker we can give Jalen Hurts right now is definitive top 10 quarterback. I understand so many people. Like, for instance, the NFL Top 100 list put him at number three, I think it was. They said he was the third best player in the NFL last year. That seems wow. like a stretch to me. But yep. if you're a top 10 quarterback at the playing some of the best ball of your year, you can win a Super Bowl. Matt Stafford waves his hand in this moment. Or you have to have the best quarterback. Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, if I had to guess, have as many Super Bowl wins put together as the rest of the field. Like when you look at just everybody else who won Super Bowls, right? And so it's, to me, Nick, I don't know if there's a really clear way to identify how you win a Super Bowl. Your best shot is to build the best team. And if we end up with a disappointing series of football, like what the 49ers are currently going through, where for all of the regular season accolades, for all of the regular season dominance, something goes wrong and they don't make the Super Bowl, right? Mm -hmm. I'll I'll live with it. <laughs> whatever whatever gets us there, man. man. No, I, I get I mean, and that was not long ago. I mean, we we think about that. I mean, Lovey got us there with with defense and 2018 was pretty good. Speaking of Jalen Hurts, you said the number three ranked player in the top 100. Uh, the Eagles are currently down 30 to 13 to Dallas in the fourth quarter, and he has a 76.5 QB passer rating. And that's the thing for guys that are runners. I we got to find a different stat. I love EPA per play for that exact reason, and I wish it was a box score stat. The fact that I have to go to separate things and look for it really bugs me. But at mm -hmm. the same time, when you're getting your butt kicked 13 to 30, it's so funny though, Nick. I've been telling Cowboys fans this all week. This is what the Cowboys do. Like, and they've done this for four years. Like, they smoke the Eagles in the late part of the season. That That's their best game. It's as if this is their Super Bowl. But you this could I be mean? the division, though, because they'll be at 10 wins. The Eagles will be at 10. Which would be huge. And then they go to the playoffs, and then they lay an egg against the Packers. You know what I mean? That's also what the Cowboys do. So don't, don't wish the Packers in the playoffs in existence. Come on. I mean... Right now, they're rolling just as much as the Bears are. Like, isn't it so funny? This is not part of the podcast, but I'm going to fit it in, I guess. How the Packers and the Bears kind of have had twin destinies this season. 
right? Where it's not been exactly the same, but it has almost been that yin-yang that you would expect of a rivalry this strong throughout NFL history, right? Yeah. Suddenly, a young team, two young teams, are ascending, but the youth that's ascending on the opposite sides of the ball and sets up this unironically amazing Week 18 tilt that I refuse to fast forward to because we can't get there yet. But, like, you can feel it, can't you, Nick? Where, like, that becomes an all-the-marbles game all I, of a sudden. I, w- I want it to be the, uh, what would it have been? The Mark Tressman, you, the, whoever wins into the playoff game. Right. That's what I want it to be because right. I'm telling you. Nick, don't I, wish I, yourself I, there. Be careful. Be careful. Wish you get, we're 24. We are 4-24 and 24 against the Packers in the last 28, te- or 28 meetings. Aaron Rodgers ain't there anymore. I don't have any fear. This defense (laughs) and Justin Fields, we're going to light them up in week 18. Let's go. If they really did find a way to eight and eight or even seven and nine, and they were duking it out with the Packers for that seventh seed, that would be an electric football game with a capital E. I mean, that would be outrageous. The Bears march into Lambeau with the playoffs on the line one way or another would be. Would would you fear their offense right now? Yes. Are you kidding? (laughs) You would? Man, their offense is just so well constructed. The way they open up seams in both the running and the passing game would definitely have me wondering what is Eberflus going to do, right? Because they command it really well. Uh, The simple way I'd put it, man, is Matt LaFleur gets it. I understand that you're looking at Ben Johnson doesn't get it. Ben Johnson does get it. And all he could manage was to grind out two of the most painful scoring drives I have seen this year. Like they couldn't get more than 11 yards on three plays. It was like watching a three yards in a cloud of dust offense. Like, I mean, it was swing screens. It was these super high velocity passes over the middle that you swore had like a 40% best case scenario completion percentage. And they just complete just enough of them. And it still took fourth down conversions. Like I would love to say, Nick, that's the other thing. This bears offense dismantled an offense. That's really good twice. Like I'm with you, but also the Packers are my death matchup. If that makes sense. Like as far as even teams go, that is the immovable object meeting the unstoppable force. Not because I'm trying to call Jordan love the unstoppable force, but you're talking about a Matt LaFleur that I think reads the back of the book and cheats. If that makes sense. Like the ideas they come up with are really sweet. All that to bill what could be a hair raising week 18 matchup one way or another, but we got to get there when we get there. Right. Nah. No, I'm not. I'm not there. I'm not there, Robert. They they're playing better, but I also could put, poke a lot of holes in. They played some defenses that have been pretty beat up, and a lot of injuries. And it's like, well, Pittsburgh doesn't have any of their starting safeties. Yeah, of course, guys are wide open. So yeah, we'll see. Hang on. We'll so see. I mean, they have Carolina in New York. I know they have some pretty easy opponents coming up here. So just, we'll see how that comes. But yeah, I'm I'm I looking know. forward. I know points are a silly measuring stick, but so you're telling me, Nick, just just so we're on the same page here, that two teams march into Lambeau, right? One of them has a superstar quarterback. The other one has Jordan Love, right? One of them scores 17 points tonight, uh, or was it 20? Maybe it was 20 points in their win uh, win over Kansas City in Arrowhead. The other scores 
27 points. And that means nothing that Jordan Love is outproducing the Buffalo Bills. I said, on they're, offense. I said they're playing better. I'm not saying that the, I'm not going to crown them. You're going to crown them over there, Denny Green? I'm not crowning them. I'm saying that they are definitely dangerous enough for me, a scarred Bears fan, to say, like, if you asked me who was going to win that game, I'm going to duck and cover and not predict because my heart says Bears again. <laughs> but I've been burned so many times predicting bears over Packers that any, anyways, anyways. So we're, we are kind of getting to the end of the podcast where we talk about like, do you feel like we've covered what this game means to the organization? Do we want to do a little bit of look forward or do we want to just close up shop and call it a pregame or call it a well, post game? Well, I'll, I'll do my end and then you do your end. So sure. I, I think this is exactly what we needed to give Matt Eberflus, I'll even include Luke Getze, because I know people don't love him. I mean, you can talk about fourth down calls, but also he did enough, I think, for us to win this game. Justin Fields, those three are the biggest question marks that we have. Those three saved their jobs at least for another week. Like, like that's what it is. It's like, it's the, it's the you know, whatever you want to call it. Like, you lose, you're done. And, you know, it's a, it's a playoff elimination, like, and they keep winning, like, and they did exactly what they need. We talked about this. It's like, they have to win this game. And so I'm honestly, cause I don't like guys to lose their jobs. I'm excited for them because I, as a bears fan want to believe in all of the bears that we have, even if I'm not a fan of some of them, I want them to succeed. Amen. I don't want men to lose their jobs. So I'm excited that they won. This is a huge statement game. This is this rebuild is working. This is this defense is working. This is Justin Fields and these guys. It's working. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it's working. Um, and the other thing, Robert, I want to tip my hat to pat myself on the back. This gives a little credence to that uh that whole stat thing of rest matters, Robert. Because look does. at the Bears after the bye, and we won the game. Absolutely. First time in a decade, by the way, which is really sad. But yeah. That you know what? It's not sad anymore because now we won one. What what's the latest result? A win. There you yes. go. But so what I think is really interesting about this game is that this was a game, uh, honestly, both Lions games that I had billed as losses. I remember spending a lot of time on the preseason predictions talking about how these were very obvious losses and everybody needed to just calm down and accept that. And instead, both of them should have been emphatic wins. You end up splitting the season series. And the Bears come away, I mean, far and away, the point differential. Look, if are you a soccer fan at all? So nope. the way that the way that soccer teams will do this is that they'll play a two-game series because literally all they've got time for. They'll play a home and then they'll play an away game. And then they add up the goals. And that's the that's how they calculate this. They go, uh, like, okay, so you scored four in this one, and then you scored one in that, and they scored three, and then they scored three, they win. Right. Uh, And so if the Bears were doing one of those, they win and they advance against the Detroit Lions, who are now nine and four. Right. Because they lost first game by five. They win the second game by 13. And they the tiebreaker in these is away points. So they had many more away points than the uh, than the Lions did. The point being the arrow is up because they have done things that I did not expect. We have to change the way we talk about this team, right? This team is not a, we're not talking about draft picks anymore. We have to talk about quarterback. 
but the dream where the Bears maybe lose a bunch of games and slide into position where they could take Marvin Harrison Jr., oh, that doesn't matter because the Bears are in a playoff hunt. And if you don't talk about them like they're in a playoff hunt, I don't think you're being fair. They have an outside shot. But in my opinion, we have put this Bears team in the most bizarre and yet kind of fun position we could put them in where you know what, Matt Eberflus? Make the playoffs. Prove me wrong. Justin Fields, make the playoffs. Prove me wrong. Like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't we kind of cheer for these guys to yep. show us something that we don't expect? I don't need to tell you they're up against it. Going up against Jim Schwartz defense against er, in Cleveland that is harassing and splitting everybody in half. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't need to tell you that this Cardinals team has more gas than anybody wants to give them credit for. You know. Like, so let's let this thing play out, Nick. And I'm not going to sit on the sidelines anymore and warn anybody about how hard this could be. I think we know. And so at this point, no sense not jumping in and saying, let's go. Like, let's go win a bunch of games. Let's be heartbroken if they don't win a bunch of games. Let's roll into a Packers game saying we're going to embarrass you in Lambeau. And worst case scenario, we are going to complete that Lions season that they did last year. where We're going to keep you out of the playoffs, right? Like, and if we don't, then people get fired and the Bears get better. But if they do... They'll have proved something and the bears will have gotten better. Yes. Like. Yes. You know, the other thing that's cool, Robert, you talked about the, the, the two, te- the two soccer teams that play and then you even it out, you know, <laughs> but if you just talk about the two soccer soccer teams that play each other, right? So you look at Chicago, they lost the first game against Minnesota. They won the second game against Minnesota. Ooh, the bears lost the first game against Detroit. They won the second game against Detroit. Oh, and Bears lost the first time against Green Bay. Uh, second time they played Green Bay, Robert. Oh man, just think <laughs> about it. Just saying. Now you got. Now you got me really buzzing, Nick. <laughs> just Gosh. saying, man. And, and, and Justin Fields. Justin Fields is three and one in his last four games he started and completed. And I am just saying, if we were going to be those dorks on the internet that put our takes over or like as priority where we want those to happen, no matter what we predicted a nine and eight season. So if we were on the table going like, it won't be the way that we told anybody it would happen. But there it is. We, we spoke so much we into win. existence. We win at that point. Like, go Bears. Everybody out of the way. If the Bears make the playoffs, we're going to be so obnoxious about it. Not just you and me, but like the Bears fan base in general is going to be on a cloud nine that we never saw coming. Uh, it is wild to me watching the way this thing is playing out. Truly, Nick. Every step of the way, the Bears have done things that I don't think I saw coming. Like, mm-hmm. it's been hilarious. I mean, no, I can't believe they were that flat week one. I can't believe they recovered the way that they did. Uh, yeah. The way they're playing right now, I did not see on their radar. The fact that they bought at the deadline, they look like they had an idea of what they were going for. Right. And at this point, even better, I think Jalen Johnson is playing at a level where he's untradeable. Like he has played himself out of, we can let this guy go. You can't let this guy go. Nope. And now, you know, and it's a, it's a signer tag for sure. And another guy is on the bears offensive line. I, uh, for legal reasons, I can't say his name or I would be jinxing him, but he has maintained a health level 
that we just didn't think he would. And if he can finish the season, he can get extended. I, I, I saw him. I thought I saw him get rolled up on today. And I was like, oh, no. And then he kept playing. I was like, whoo. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. It feels like the dominoes are just falling in the Bears' favor right now, which is fun. Uh, usually it's dangerous. So maybe everybody cuts your pearls just a little bit because the moment what, we think. <laughs> so what, one thing I thought that was fun, Robert. So we, we, we'll we do a Q&A again for our, our next show. Yes, y'all. So, please. you know, reach out to Robert. Reach Every out to Thursday. me. Yep. And, uh, and we'll, we'll ask the questions, uh, or as many as that we can. One thing I enjoyed, I don't know if you enjoyed this, but we said, Hey, if you got, you made it to the end of the pod and we, we asked the question, we asked the score predictions. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I saw a bunch of score predictions. So I thought Loved that was it. cool. So you guys were way more bear centric than we were and you were right. Yeah. So kudos yeah. to you guys. So I think at the end of this one, right. If you made it to the end of this pod, right. I think that you can tweet at us. You can comment in the YouTube comments if you want. I want to know what your favorite play was of the game today. Sweet. I, I wanted to leave a little space because I didn't know whether I needed to chide anybody in advance for picking the more play because it's just fun. Like every time yeah. the announcer goes crazy, it just builds that emotional attachment to one of those plays. You know what I mean? But yeah. The, you got some great options. You could pick uh, the Jared Goof fumble. That was a great thing. What was that? That's just what he does. Is, is that a bad thing to say? Am I not allowed you, to say that? You know what? You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of when Aaron Rodgers did that against the 49ers, the NFC Championship game. Do you remember that? Yes. He like came out too quick and they were like driving. And it was like, it, that was the Raheem Mostert had like 900 rushing yard game. Man. It was like the most weird thing to happen. I'm like, you don't even get the center quarterback exchange right. Yep. I, I felt like. This was a total. If I was a Lions fan, I'd be sitting here like, if it rains, when it rains, it pours, and I'm mad about it. But you know what? We're not Lions fans. So instead, I'm feeling pretty good. But, anyways, everybody, thank you guys so much for listening. We really, really appreciate your support. Find us right here on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Please give us a rating on any platform that you've got. We want as many five stars as possible. You have no idea how much this stuff helps not only our engagement, but our reach. We want to reach as many Bears fans as possible. If you enjoyed the show and you're listening on YouTube, leave us a comment. Those help too. Like the podcast. Nick, do you have, do you have anything else? No, just remember to, to add in your, your favorite plays. We want to engage with you guys and ask questions for Q&A for our next episode. And I'll be with you guys on Tuesday night uh, as on this same channel as we talk through what happened on the All-22 of this game. Should be really fun. Honestly, both sides of the ball should be a lot of fun to go through. But until next time, Bears fans, bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with us. Thanks.